Hey everyone, Claire here. When Gia and I sat down to record a conversation about the importance of customer-led KPIs, we went really deep on the topic. So we decided to split the conversation into podcast episodes 9 and 10. This week on episode 9, we'll define what a KPI even is, the difference between lagging indicators of success versus leading indicators, and why, finally, using transactional metrics as KPIs is problematic. Let's get into it. And if you enjoyed the discussion, be sure to join us next week for the wrap-up. Key performance indicator, just by virtue of its name, means it's like a standout key thing to focus on. I think everybody understands that, you know, when you're focused on everything, you're focused on nothing. If you're measuring everything, you're measuring nothing. And so it's really important to earmark a few KPIs for your team to really focus their work on. Now there's like varying levels of teams and we could talk about the leadership team versus the go-to-market mm-hmm. teams versus, you know, different types of teams, but they all have KPIs. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Forget the Funnel podcast, where our goal is to help you as a SaaS leader finally stop guessing, understand your best customers, and drive more predictable recurring revenue. We're Gia and Claire, founders of Forget the Funnel, a product marketing and growth consultancy that helps SaaS businesses learn from their best customers, map and measure their experiences, and unlock their best levers for growth. So if you're looking to help your team make smarter decisions, this show is for you. So Gia, today we're talking about KPIs. What are KPIs that we often see teams using? What are the right KPIs look like for your specific business? And some of the high level actions that your team can take or your team can be more impactful at once you have the right KPIs in place. So to kind of frame this conversation, define for me, you know, KPI in terms of what you and I are going to be chatting about today. Because KPI, key performance indicator, like you and I know what that means, but more specifically, metric versus what else? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's probably the right, right distinction to make is between key performance indicators and just like all the metrics from which a team can choose from to focus on. Key performance indicator, just by virtue of its name, means it's like a standout key thing to focus on. Critical. That's right. And so... I think everybody understands that, you know, when you're focused on everything, you're focused on nothing. If you're measuring everything, you're measuring nothing. And so it's really important to earmark a few KPIs for your team to really focus their work on. Now there's like varying levels of teams and we could talk about the leadership team versus the Mm go-to-market teams versus, you know, different types of teams, but they all have KPIs. Um, And generally when you and I are discussing KPIs, we're talking about more customer focused KPIs. So how do we measure our customer's experience, which then gets us into the conversation about like, you know, the customer experience that we're creating and leading indicators of success versus lagging indicators of success. But I'm sure we're going to get to all of that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, I did want to kind of pull apart what you were saying just there. So you use the phrase customer focused KPIs. And I, I'd love for you to, you know, differentiate a bit more between a a customer-focused KPI from like any regular standard KPI that, you know, we hear a SaaS team using, or that's, you know, common for people to be measuring their success by. Yeah. So the culprit generally that I have found is that a lot of teams are focused on very transactional measures of success. So 
sign up, child to paid conversion. So it like became a customer. Not that those are not important and KPIs, but they are a little bit more focused on like the business versus more than focused on the customer. So another one might be like, you know, they, a credit card was entered. And so like this sign up flow has started or they upgrade or they churn more focused again on like transactional moments versus more experiential moments in the customer's relationship. So we tend to focus on KPIs that demonstrate that our customers have gotten to a moment of value. And that's what we mean when we say customer KPIs is like, was this a a moment of value for the customer? And if so, like, what would that value look like? And then how do we measure it? So that's how we define KPIs generally, as opposed to, you know, if you talked about like the funnel, like, or pirate metrics or traditional customer journey maps or like customer life cycles where it might go from like, you know, website visitor to lead to MQL to SQL to customer to, which is again, very sort of transactional where we would look at a customer journey map or we prefer to call it a customer experience map and look at it as like, you know, they expressed interest in the first time for the first time. They experienced their first value. They got to first value realization. They are experiencing continued value. They're experiencing value growth. It's much more through the lens of the customer versus the business. Walk me through why that matters. So let me say that a different way. I'm I'm thinking about someone listening to this conversation and yeah, defining KPIs that tie to customer value, like that sounds nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? But why versus what my team is already running against versus what they've already set their targets against? Like, what is the reason to focus on, you know, customer value? Why make a change versus MQL versus SQL if that's already in play? Or to a point you raised, those lagging indicators, they matter. We have to be tracking MRR. We have to be tracking churn. Yeah. So I think I'm digging a little more for like why spend time defining customer-focused KPIs versus the status quo. Yeah, I think it really goes back to what I was saying before about like the varying teams having focus on different levels of KPIs. And I think for your go-to-market, customer-facing, you know, we're talking about like marketing, product marketing, customer success, sales, even product to a certain extent, when you set their performance goals or targets around mm-hmm. a lagging indicator of success like MRR growth or you know signups or just leads and things like that you're not providing them with actionable KPIs you're basically providing them with like here's the end state we want to get to and what that says is like any means to get there so a, a classic example that we've talked about before is like a customer success KPI that's focused on like tickets closed, where you're basically incentivizing Mm -hmm. a customer support agent to close tickets quickly so that they can close many of them in a short amount of time because Mm -hmm. it's about like the velocity of closing tickets versus some sort of like satisfaction score or some sort of meaningful KPI of product usage that follows, you know, that's in that phase of where the customer is. So It's the difference between leading indicators of success and lagging indicators of success. Leading indicators of success are actionable and lagging indicators of success are that. They show us that we got to that, like the the end result, but they don't help the team. They don't help mobilize the team over 
how to influence those lagging indicators of success. The best quote or like synthesis of this that I found is like the Eli Goldratt quote, which is like, tell me how you will measure me and I'll tell you how I'll behave. Mm-hmm. And I used to think about that when I was leading marketing and my measure for, you know, success was basically signups or, you know, leads, depending on how, you know, define that. And I remember just saying like, well, thankfully I am thinking about the teams downstream from me because I could just mm-hmm. throw money at this. I can get you leads. If all we want is leads, we can just pay for leads. I can throw money mm-hmm. at ads and bring that number of leads through the door to hit my targets. But that on its own is not enough, right? That would leave the team downstream from me left with shitty quality garbage customers, right. like leads to try to convert. And so it matters like how you're incentivizing your team, basically. And the customer success example is good. I mean, I know there's another one that we talked about in the book about like incentivizing sales teams around, you know, hitting certain quotas when really the thing that matters at the end of the day is that they are going to turn into a high LTV customer that gets a lot of value and that sticks around for the long term, especially because recurring revenue businesses. So, I mean, Look, you can trust that your team is going to make the best decisions, but it feels a lot better as a member of a team to be incentivized to deliver customer value than it does to facilitate business transactions. It's a lot more motivating when your job is like, I'm going to help this customer get to this, like help solve this problem, or at least get on the path to solving this problem that feels a lot better. It's a lot more motivating. It feels less icky than this idea of like shoving somebody through a funnel or, you know, taking a box with like MQL because they qualified with certain like ICP criteria or something like that. So it feels a lot better. It's also a lot more actionable. And at the end of the day, when your team is focused on those actionable leading indicators of success, you're lagging indicators of success benefit. Something that you said a while ago, like when you were responsible for, you know, leads and you said, good thing, I'm thinking about like the downstream effects of this for our customer success team and our product team reminded me of, I swear it was like just recently I read something Elena Verna just published that was like horror stories of growth functions within tech companies or within SaaS companies. And she touched on something very similar, which was like, if you are measuring your growth team by leads, you're making a huge mistake for that exact reason, right? Like if the incentive is as many leads as possible without regard to quality or without regard to how those leads get value down the line. Yes. I think that's a great example of where poorly set KPIs can incentivize bad behavior. Not that anybody on your team is like malicious. We're just choosing the wrong metric of success. It doesn't align with customer value. Yeah. Anyway, so so yes, I thought that was spot on. My question was going to be, what are some KPIs that you see commonly used that give this false impression of your team succeeding or like this false impression of momentum? I'm going to throw like monthly, weekly, daily active users on the table. <laughs> That's, I feel like that's an easy one. That one can be misleading because just because somebody logs into your tool doesn't mean they're getting value. Sometimes it does, but not always. And I mean, even just thinking about the decision 
matrix of like, which one do you focus on? Is it daily? Is it weekly? Or is it monthly? Like that also feels a little bit arbitrary. And also, doesn't it matter what they're doing at that frequency yeah. of uses? Like what part of the product that they're using? So daily, weekly, and monthly active users is a highly problematic, you know, too sweeping of a KPI for a product team to use as a measure of success. Sometimes like a daily active or a weekly active in combination with like certain product usage, that can be useful, but that's a world of difference between those two things. Another one mm -hmm. too, like MQL, SQL, and more recently PQL, I tend to see teams use PQL in a much more meaningful way than MQL and SQL. Mm. Tell me so, more. The, well, so the reason there is that MQL typically is about like ICP. Like, do they fall into the category or the demographic sort of, do they fit that demographic criteria? Like, is the size of the company big enough? Is it the right, you know, person, role? Is the size of their team? Whatever that criteria might be for your team, which again, may or may not have anything to do with does this customer or the, does this lead have the problem that, you know, our product is going to help them solve? Do they think about it in the same way? Do they, you know, that the context is completely missing generally from any sort mm -hmm. of MQL type of data. The other reason why MQL tends to be problematic, at least historically, in my experience, has been that like the marketing team knows what a marketing qualified lead looks like, but like the product team doesn't. The sales team doesn't really care. Like it's not a universal term across the organization. It's not a universal term. And it's also always up for debate. It's like, I've never worked with a team that felt really good about their definition of an MQL. It's always like, it's good enough for now. We know it's imperfect. Like everybody's always apologizing for their MQL definition, I find. PQL, on the other hand, tends to get a little bit more interesting because it is actually attached to like product usage in some way, shape or form. So a lot of companies that leverage like freemium offerings will have some sort of PQL and PQL is often as synonymous with like a customer getting to some sort of first value in the product. So they've used that critical first like feature or feature set that, that they should. So they've reached sort of first value. So I equate first value with PQL and then SQL is a bit of a different beast altogether because that might mean SQLs are, and oftentimes with the teams that I'm working with, SQL means they actually need to go to the sales team because they've got a complex enough problem or complex enough situation or team that they're working with where they actually need like a one-to-one -one interaction. And so they get considered to be SQLs. And so a lot of times teams are splitting PQL from SQL as like high touch, low touch. So again, who cares what they're called? <laughs> the names don't matter. It's, are they measuring something meaningful? And is the context there so that your team can actually action it and learn from it and measure their ability to help customers get from one milestone to the next? That's the most important thing. But too often, these like MQLs, PQLs, SQLs are highly imperfect in their definition and are just, again, a little bit more rooted in demographic data or sort of void of meaning. Assumptions. Yeah. Yeah. And also customers like fall into the category instead of taking some sort of like meaningful action towards it. The only exception to that is PQL where generally they've taken some sort of meaningful action inside of the product, which is helpful. But MQL, SQL is pretty passive. <laughs> they haven't actually like asked to be considered a marketing qualified lead. Like it doesn't tend to be as useful. Okay. So 
compelling enough case for PQL or to your point, whatever you call them, defining KPIs and tying your team's success to customers exhibiting that they're receiving value or doing things within the product that they, we know drive value. So I have to then ask like, what are the prereqs to defining those KPIs? I mean, definitely understanding what matters to your most important, best, most amazing customers. So if you can identify what matters to your best customers, and there's a lot in just those two things, right? Like best customers, there's a lot to talk about. What matters, there's a lot to talk about. But if you can do those two things, you're in a position to be able to map what customers said was valuable to them, like the context that they were in, how they describe their experience, which again, like you can jump in and, and speak to more, but you can basically map that value to the specific parts of the product that deliver that value. And if you can do that value mapping, then you are basically given the mechanisms for measurement because we're talking about software. <laughs> we're not talking about walking through a physical space or a store or whatever, mm -hmm. where it would be a lot more difficult. We're talking about software where people actually make, you know, have a direct touch point with your product, which means if they can interact with those meaningful parts of the product, we can measure that happening, basically. I did just have like an introductory conversation with someone this morning who is themselves a an expert on their product, right? Which is the curse of knowledge of, of any team, product, customer success, etc. Anyway, so the internal team, their product experts, they do have a decent like intuiting of their customers' needs. The product up to now has been relatively high touch or at least like high touch during onboarding. Mm -hmm. And so they know a lot about the individual people and the job titles and the type of work that their customers do. But what's missing is this like crux of what you just touched on, which is like they're totally guessing when it comes to the areas of the product that customers need to see and interact with in order to get value. So right now as product experts... They're like, look at this and look at this and look at this and look at this and like, look at all of our cool shit, right? Which is an inherent challenge that any go-to-market team faces. So the reason that we're, they reached out and we're considering working together is they need someone to help them do all the stuff that we do, right? So first of all, like segment and, and help them understand who's a best fit customer versus just an anybody customer. And then more critically than that, what are the jobs people hired the product for so that they can start to figure out which elements of the product matter most and which are like, you know, nice to haves and, and supplemental, which is then going to help them identify more valuable and actionable KPIs. So I guess all that said, I agree with what you're saying. And I'm, I'm sharing this conversation because it's the most recent, literally hours ago, recent example of a real SaaS company, like coming to us to, to fix this problem. Totally. And I, I think it's a great example. And it, it is so so ridiculously common. Um, so common. It's like, it's the very, it's that like, it's hard to read the label from inside the jar problem yeah. where product teams, you know, get really excited about their offering and they get excited about all of the things that, that product can do for their customers. And I think that is like, it's sound, again, it sounds so straightforward and it sounds like, yeah, of course, duh, but I don't know that we've ever worked with a team where they could say with absolute certainty 
what parts of the product they should be introducing in what order to which of their customers. Mm -hmm. Because in general, and I'm like, I hate to throw people under the bus here, but in general, we're like all the toys in the toy box or all the tools in the toolbox scenario with almost every team that we work with, right? Where they're like, okay, so person signs up, here's all the things you could do with our product without any regard for what order it should be in and holding some back until later. Like they throw the kitchen sink at every customer, at every new customer that signs up. And we all logically know, don't throw the kitchen sink at new customers. But then you end up with this in this spot where you're like, okay, so what is it? What do I show them into what order? And I think it's really important to establish that like, this isn't a character flaw, right? This isn't like judgment that we're passing on teams struggling with this problem. It's a very real challenge if you are so if you are in and out of a product every day thinking about its future versus yeah. the context brand new people are coming into. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. It's also a, a, a just a product of what stage the team and the product is at as well, right? Like you might be early enough days where you've got these happy, healthy, amazing customers, but you haven't yet buttoned up your mechanisms to get more of them through the front door, and you're now thinking about, you know, how do I introduce? How do I help new customers onboard in a lower touch way? So it's kind of about, we're kind of talking about scaling, right? So the example that you just gave where early days, yeah, you might one-on-one onboard or high touch onboard your new customers, but at a certain point, that's not going to be sustainable for you. And that's probably, you know, if you're, if you run a product led business, it's certainly not what you, you know, want to continue doing. The unit economics just don't work there, but in order to do it effectively, in order to introduce your product in a low touch and also high converting way, you need to know what these specific parts of the product are. And you also, very importantly, to bring it right back to KPIs, you need to know how to measure your ability to help customers get from one milestone to the next. So they sign up, but then what? Say your website does a great job. What do you need them to do right after that to demonstrate that you can you know, cash the checks that you wrote on your website, so to speak, you actually can fulfill the promises that you made on your website in your product. So they get to first value really quickly. How do you measure that? What's the, what product usage would show you that you did a good job doing that? And then furthermore, I mean, depending on the complexity of the product, like how would you, how would you and your team measure your ability to help somebody actually solve their problem that they came to you to solve? What would that product usage look like? And that's it for this episode of the Forget the Funnel podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If you have any questions about the topics we covered, don't hesitate to contact Claire or I on LinkedIn. And you can also visit our website at forgetthefunnel.com. This is still a new podcast for us. So ratings, reviews, and subscriptions in your podcast platform of choice make a huge difference. See you next time.